Our gospel reading is found in the book of John, chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, and Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Here ends the gospel. Thank you. You may be seated. And there goes one of our lilies. That's all right. It just bounces back. There we are. Well, good morning, everyone. And happy Easter to you. Uh, we are here today because of life, not death. Amen? How many of you know this guy's picture? How many of you know who this was? That was George Burns. His real name was Nathan Birnbaum, okay? And uh, the reason many people know George Burns, he was a famous comedian, but he lived to be more than 100 years old. In fact, when he was 99 years old, a reporter interviewed him and said, Mr. Burns, we hear that you're still smoking cigars and drinking martinis at 99 years old. What does your doctor think of that? And he said, my doctor doesn't say anything. He's been dead a long time. <laughs> George Burns still died, even at 100 years old. Or how about this guy, John McSherry? He was umpiring the first, the opening day of the Cincinnati Reds several years ago, and uh, he had a doctor's appointment in three days to get a checkup, but after the seventh pitch, he called timeout, he turned around, and he walked three steps, and he collapsed. He never regained consciousness. John McSherry was 53, and he died. 
100 years old, 53. How about one year old? The young girl who was shot, the young, young girl here in Indianapolis that was shot in her house and killed. Death. The Bible says that death is the last enemy to be destroyed. And you wonder, well, why do we have to face death as people of God? And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were told by God that they should obey Him, that they needed to respect Him as God, and that they should not eat of this one tree, the fruit of that tree, and He said, if you do, you will surely die. Ever since, everyone who has been born, except with a couple of exceptions, has died. We all sin. The Bible says there's no distinction. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the penalty for that, the result of that, is that we die. It was Craig Barnes, the president of Princeton Seminary, who said that Easter is both good news and terrifying news. It's good news because Jesus rose from the grave, but it's terrifying news because it causes us to confront the reality of death. How old were you when death hit you upside the head? That you first experienced the tragedy, the senselessness of death. I was in junior high school, and I had a friend who graduated from high school. He was part of our congregation at Zion Lutheran Church. He enlisted in the Marines and went to, was sent to Vietnam. After his first tour of duty, he came back and he talked to our youth group, and, and uh, we, we got to know him even better, and I started writing letters to him. He wrote back to me. After his second tour of duty, he came and he spoke to the entire congregation. He was a man of mature faith well beyond his years. During his third tour of duty, we got a notice that he had been killed in action in Vietnam. The casket, the body was sent back. We had a funeral at our church. And I remember standing there at the casket as a junior high kid asking why. Why does something like this have to happen? And, and, and it just knocked me upside of the head. If you haven't faced the reality of death, you will. Because that's what it's like to live on this side of heaven. And yet we are here today because God had a plan to rescue us from death, eternal death. And I know that we do lots of things to try to keep death at bay. You know, we, we seek the best medical attention. For old people like me who have, who have some inherited faults, we take high blood pressure medicine. We take cholesterol medication. We try to keep our weight down. We, we try to take care of the bodies, our bodies, that we're, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. And yet eventually, unless the Lord comes again, what's going to happen? We're going to die. Perhaps that was the reality, the reality of death that hit Mary upside the head on that very first Easter. You just heard the reading from the Gospel of John. And Mary, uh, what do we know about Mary? I mean, this is Mary Magdalene. She's one of five Marys in the New Testament. And Mary Magdalene uh, was part of the, the group of disciples that followed Jesus. She supported Jesus, most likely financially. She was from a little town on the Sea of Galilee called Magdala. That's why she's called Mary Magdalene. 
But the big thing that we know about Mary in the Gospel of, John, of Luke, rather, it says that Mary was healed by Jesus. She was demon-possessed, not just one demon. One demon would be bad enough. Mary Magdalene was healed of seven demons. Perhaps that's why she had been ostracized by her family and maybe her community. That's why, though, she was so devoted to Jesus. She hung on every word that he said. He be she believed in him as the Messiah, the one who came to give hope and strength, the one who would take away the sins of the world. Mary Magdalene was close to Jesus, but now he was gone. You know, Mary Magdalene was at the cross with Mary, Jesus' mother. Mary Magdalene was there, we are told in Scripture, when the body was taken down. In fact, when the body was placed in the tomb, Matthew tells us that Mary Magdalene was sitting on a rock cliff and she saw it all happen. The body of Jesus was buried hastily on Friday so as not to infringe upon Sabbath law. And that's why she was concerned that Jesus' body had not been properly anointed. And so on Saturday after the Sabbath, she bought a bunch of spices and she took them to the tomb, hoping that she might be able to anoint the body of her Lord. And when she got there, the stone had been rolled away. She ran and she told the other disciples that, she, that, the, that, the, that, the, that the tomb was empty. She wouldn't know, didn't know what was going on. And, and that's when John and Peter, they ran as fast as they could to the tomb. And when they looked inside, they, sold, they, they saw the, the, the linens that Jesus had been buried with had been folded up. That's significant. Since they were folded, it means that no one stole the body. Peter and John went back to their homes, and that left Mary all alone at the tomb. And as you might expect, she's brokenhearted. She's bewildered. She's confused. That last enemy called death in the Bible had its grip around her as she had lost her friend, her master, her Lord. And so what does she do? Well, the Scripture says that she looks into the tomb and there are two angels there. And the two angels were the head and the feet of Jesus were asked Mary, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, because they've taken my Lord and I don't know where He is. She steps back out of the tomb and there's someone there. It's Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. Maybe it's because of all the tears. You know, when your eyes are filled with tears, you can't see straight. Mary doesn't recognize Jesus, and she thinks he's the gardener. And Jesus says to him, Mary, uh, Mary says to Jesus, if you know where they've taken him, let me know so I can find him. And that's when Jesus says the most important word in all of language. Do you know what the most important word of all of language is for you? It's your name. And Jesus says, Mary. There's something when God knows your name. In fact, the Bible says that God knows your name. In your baptism, we read from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you belong to me. Well, Jesus knew Mary's name, and all of a sudden the lights of faith were clicked on, that Jesus wasn't dead, that He was who He said He was, and that He spoke the truth. That's why Mary's response in Aramaic is Rabboni, which means my teacher, the one who teaches the truth. Jesus, you spoke the truth when you said that you would die, but then be raised to life. 
Jesus, you spoke the truth when you said that you were the way, the truth, and the life, the way to the Father. Jesus, you spoke the truth when you said that you were the resurrection and the life, and that whoever believed in him would not experience death, but would live forever. And so Mary, all of a sudden, is completely turned around. And what does she do? Scripture says that she tried to clutch Jesus or grab Jesus. And Jesus says, don't hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead and tell my brothers. Tell them I'm going back to the Father and your Father and my. Jesus had not yet ascended into heaven. Because when he ascended, who did he send? He sent the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, so that the presence of Jesus could be anywhere and everywhere at the same time, so that Jesus could live in the hearts and the lives of his people, so that the victory that Jesus won would be yours and mine. And what does Mary do? It says that she ran telling everyone that she could, and she said, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. There's something about a personal testimony that gives you courage. When you know someone who's gone through a difficult time and has come through on the other side, you tend to listen to them. And for Mary, her testimony was very personal. I have seen the Lord. It was in Bangladesh a few years ago that there were a group of people that gathered at a Christian church to watch the movie entitled Jesus. This was an evangelistic movie that told the story of Jesus, and it was meant to be, to be seen by people who had never heard of Jesus before. Uh, as the, the movie was shown, little children sat in front and in the aisles, and the adults were standing in the back. And when they got to the agony of the cross, when they got to the point where Jesus was dying on that cross. Tears were coming down people's cheeks that had never heard about him before. There were audible gasps of agony. <gasps> and that's when this one little boy stood up and shouted. He said, don't be afraid. He gets up again. I saw it before. <laughs> that's what Mary's saying. I've seen the Lord. He gets up again, and I saw it. You know, it's one thing, friends, for us to come to Easter and to, to be showered by God's love and to know that God loves you, that He died for you, that He rose again, and to experience that victory. But it's another thing to grasp it firsthand. It's another thing for you and your heart to say, I have seen the Lord. As a result of God's, the power of God's Word working in the Holy Spirit, you can see the Lord. You can know that how much He loves you personally and how He gave His life for you on the cross and rose again on the third day to take away your sins. You can know very personally what it means to praise God that even though we are one day closer to that eventuality of our death, that death will not be the end that it'll simply be that door or that gate that we pass through in order to be with the Lord forever and eternity. It was Harry Emerson Fostick who once said, you know, at Easter he says, so many churches are filled with second-hand Christians. They've inherited it from their families. They borrowed it from their friends. They married it. Or they've taken it over like the cut of their clothes from their fashion group. 
Friends, today let's be firsthand Christians. Along with Mary, let's receive the very presence the resurrected, of, of the resurrected Lord to know that our sins are forgiven and that because He lives, we face life, not death. And along with Mary, you can say, I've seen the Lord. I've seen Him. And so to those who are brokenhearted and bewildered, to those who are overwhelmed by the reality of death, to those who may be facing death right now, what do we say? We say Jesus lives. To those who are burdened, who are broken due to sin, the sin that's in our world, but also the sin in us, what do we say? We say, Jesus lives. And because Jesus has paid the penalty for your sin and my sin, that He died in our behalf, that He rose again on the third day, it means that our sins are gone as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our sins from us. You know, it's in the Easter Gospel today. It's, I, th I thought it was interesting that the same question is asked of Mary twice. First, by the angels in the tomb, what do the angels say? They say, woman, why are you crying? And then she backs out of the tomb and she stumbles onto the gardener who's Jesus. And Jesus asks her the same question. Woman, why are you crying? It's almost as if God is telling Mary, Mary, the time for tears is over. The time to tell the good news is now. The time to live with that good news. The confidence of that good news is now. And Mary says, I've seen the Lord. There's a legend, and I have to underscore that this is a legend. We don't know this to be absolutely true, but in the early history of the Christian church, one time there was a man who had been arrested, and he was about to be martyred for his faith. He was tied to the stake. A fire was about to be lit under him to burn him at the stake. When the executioner asked him, do you have anything to say? At the top of his voice, he said this, He is risen! And out in the hills and in the trees and behind the corners of some of the, of the buildings, there were Christians who were there. And when he said, He is risen, with one voice they cried out, He is risen indeed! Friends, we still live that truth today, don't we? That because Jesus lives, we face life, not death. Indeed, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. May God bless you on this Easter.